Welcome to another episode of the Double Coma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. So we saw some market movement in the last couple days. Yesterday, the markets moved. Bond prices moved 155 bips. On Thursday, they moved 119 bips. So when I say 119, that's 1.19. And when I'm talking about the price, the yield is opposite. So yesterday, bond pricing lost 155 bips downwards. That means our yields, meaning interest rates, went up. Not 155 bips, but it sure felt like that. When lenders are saying to their clients and to their realtor base that we've now hit the sevens, and we're seeing that in the news when it was not that long ago that we saw rates hit the sixes, and we all got upset about that, now you've got to start wondering what's happening to the real estate market what's happening to demand so i want to go backwards to thursday so thursday is when this happened when the swiss bank increased their bank rate which is our fed rate their central bank rate they increased it 0.75 bips and that was right after we did the same thing to our Fed rate. So we raised it 75 bips. They raised their 75 bips. The global market got really upset about it. And all of a sudden, we see bond prices. We see a massive sell-off and bond prices go down by 119 bips on Thursday. We see a European bond market sell-off the night before last. So while we were sleeping, we were seeing the European bonds were selling off, which we opened up Monday morning to this bond sell-off here in the United States, dropping the bond prices and raising our interest rates. Swiss bank, European markets, bond sell-off. What in the world just happened? So the global market is affecting our local interest rates. There's no two ways about it. What's happening is, is as we are raising the Fed rate, our dollar is becoming stronger compared to other European currencies. And as that's happening, we're seeing that stress on top of China being a mess, on top of the continued Russia invasion of Ukraine, on top of the European gas constraints and crisis. So when Europe is having oil and gas crisis and their currency is weaker compared to our dollar also our debts now are more expensive to pay off well Powell was just in switzerland trying to speak to the switzerland bank and convince them that he's got everything under control hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna debate that right about now i think they were a little late to the party what the fed is also up against right now is rewiring the conversation that they had had at the previous Fed meeting. So back in July, the Fed said, we're gonna take the Fed rate up, we're gonna control inf inflation, and then we're gonna bring it back down again. So we're gonna do this massive push, and then we're gonna retract. The markets loved hearing that. The markets actually reacted favorably, both the stock market and the bond market. We saw interest rates drop, and we saw our stocks increase well that was not <laughs> what powell wanted to have happen hmm, i'm like seeing all of you 
it's starting to become habitual that he's not really forecasting what's happening because he's looking at metrics that are past. He's primarily we're looking at unemployment, which isn't a leading indicator. It's a lagging indicator. He's looking at inflation, which is also looking backwards. It is also a lagging indicator. He's trying to react today to something that has happened to put it under control, now overreacting for not having reacted soon enough. So he goes over to Switzerland, tries to explain that we've got everything under control. He comes back here. He's got nothing under control. They went too far out of the gate. Now you've got other Fed members coming out and talking to CNBC that maybe we went too hard and too fast. There's a little dissension in the ranks. So in July, they raised the Fed rate, but they said, we're raising it, we're going to raise it quickly, then we're going to come back down again. And the market rallied. Well, he's like, I figured that out. I'm not going to say that this time. I'm going to say we need to increase pain to our families and to our businesses. We need to raise the Fed rate and we need to stay there for a while. Define a while. Up, 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 stay all of 2023. That's the goal. We need to... They are planned based on the dot plot matrix that we're going to raise the Fed rate through March. They want to see it at four and a quarter to four and a half at the end of this year. We're right now at three to three and a quarter, which means we need to see another point and a quarter this year. We have two more meetings. So that means a 75 BIP and a 25 BIP or 75 BIP and a 50 BIP. And we're going to see increased Fed rates still this year and then into next year. So he's wanting to raise it into March. Now, if you look at some expectations, uh, several banks, including Fannie Mae and Goldman Sachs just came out recently talking about the fact that they expect a recession next year, probably second quarter. If you also look at the CPI numbers, the inflation numbers that we're comparing year over year inflation to, we're going to start seeing inflation slow down again second quarter next year. And that's because of comparison inflation rates. Right now, we're very low last year. So we're replacing them with high numbers. We're replacing really low numbers. And that's keeping inflation high. As those numbers increased last year, that comparison rate is now becoming more in line. We'll start to see that happening in October. We'll start to see inflation going down and then hopefully getting closer to that 3% mark second quarter. That could be about the same time that we see them start to pull back on the Fed rate. We could also see interest rates decline second quarter because of inflation coming back down again and because of the Fed no longer raising the Fed rate, although they might hold it there longer. All of this goes into the fact that at that point we will be uh, acclimated to the change, right? So from here to there. So in the meantime, July, he says the thing. He says he's going to raise it and lower it. The market rallies. Everybody gets excited. Powell's like, shit, I could have had a V8. And then all of a sudden, he's realizing he should have done it differently. Now his conversations turn to pain, pain for families, pain for businesses. And then he's talking about we're going to raise the Fed rate and we're going to sustain it. And the housing needs to go through a correction. In fact, I've got a bunch of quotes here I was going to start reading off, but... I might just save these for Thursday at our market update with Megan Aller at 10 a.m. 
where we piece apart what the Fed said at the last Fed meeting and what it means for housing. Because it's really important to kind of see where he's wanting to push this because where he's pushing this, we are feeling it. We're feeling it because interest rates are above 7%. Seven, seven, I have a hard time saying that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not gonna lie. Wow. All right, so if rates are at seven or above seven, depending on, we are seeing a little bit of the bond market revert back from its extreme yesterday. It's like, oh, wait a minute, that was the European market that set our markets on fire. It wasn't even anything in the United States. It was a sell-off of bonds in Europe that caused our bond market sell-off the next morning, Monday morning. So Powell goes through all of these conversations to say, during the last Fed meeting, I'm going to define what I want to see in a housing correction. A housing correction includes two things from his perspective. Those two things are increased housing supply and decreased housing demand. I mean, come on. That was a given. I mean, like, I could have tested you on that, and I hope you got 100. Because we've been talking about this. The fact that we don't have enough inventory and the fact that we have an intense amount of demand over the last two years. So he is saying a housing correction is defined by the very two things that we've been talking about. The fact that we need to calm this demand and the fact that we need to see inventory come back online. He also brought up builders, that builders no longer can buy lots near any major central metro. Uh, they can't get through uh, the regulations of the counties or the cities, and they're having a hard time finding labor. Well, I don't know that you're going to solve for that right now because builders are simply trying to roll off all of the inventory that they have on their books right now. The majority of the months of inventory sitting in new builds is actually under construction, not completed, not ready to sell. So I'm going to put that one to the side for the second and just really focus on these two, which is inventory and demand. A seven interest rate after we've been seeing threes, I mean, we were literally three to three and a half a year ago, and now we just touched seven, that is going to temper demand. And it's meeting one of his two goals of a housing correction. Now, I don't want that to be jumbled up with his singular goal, right? They have two mandates, employment and inflation right now. They're not worried about employment because employment's fine. They're only looking at inflation. Mandates, two goals with a housing correction. More, more inventory, less demand. So sevens, interest rates, first time home buyers, move up buyers, uh, investors are all looking at this going, now might not be the right time. Now I will continue to debate this with you all day long. Homeowners are the safest Americans currently in our market because they have an intense and incredible amount of gifted equity that they can capitalize in any number of ways, whether it's getting themselves out of debt, whether they lose that job and getting themselves into a position. If you have a job right now, and we know we're going into a recession in 2023, and you have a ton of equity in your home, you might just want to go get a home equity line of credit, not to use it, 
but to have it while you qualify. If there's any risk of you losing a job next year, I'm just telling you that. It doesn't cost you anything but like a three to $400 early termination fee. If you don't use it, you don't pay any interest on it. If you close it within three years, there's an early termination fee. Might be a good idea just to get it. I can give you contacts. We don't personally do them, but I do believe in having them. I've always had them on my personal homes. So seven interest rates. I'm starting to think about this. If I'm an investor, I'm not, I'm no longer meeting cap rates with a 7% interest rate. Cap rates are down hovering around four on a lot of in investments, certainly not the six that we had gotten used to. So all of a sudden I'm rethinking this. First time home buyers want to get in. Affordability is the conversation. Move up buyers want to move up, but they're thinking right now, I've got a great rate on a low price. I'm going to stay put. Those are the things that are going through everybody's mind. Move up buyers are not moving up. They're just going to stay put. They're not going to sell. First time home buyers are dealing with affordability. Investors are offsetting it against cap rate and it's not working. All of this is happening. Demand is going to slow down, except for those people who are thinking beyond the 7% interest rate, knowing that with limited demand and increasing supply, which I'm going to get to in a minute, they could have opportunities that otherwise they won't see in the spring, second quarter, right? And a spring, summer, when all of these things start to happen. When this forecast of a recession happens, when we see the Fed stop raising the Fed rate, when we see inflation start to get closer to that 3%, which is the 2% target, when we see interest rates go down, we will start to see demand spike and all of this benefit of a buyer's opportunity right now will be gone. So let's get over to the inventory section. The inventory section right now, we've been seeing a lower new listings for months now. People aren't putting their house on the market because they're converting it into an investment or they're just simply not selling because I have a 2.625 interest rate on this home. I'm not moving. So they're not selling. People are aging in place. Reverse mortgages are increased. Now all of a sudden I've got homes that aren't moving and so I don't have enough new listings. So now it's just a matter of demand soaking up the active listings. Well, right now with reduced demand, active listings are staying on the market longer and those few new listings that are coming out are staying up. All of that will slowly support an increase in inventory. It's certainly not because a flood of new builds coming to the market or a flood of new listings coming to the market. It's just simply the lesser demand is slowly going to hold inventory up higher. That's the goal. Now, will it happen? We have most of the months of inventory that new builds have is in construction. So as that in construction moves over to completion, and if those buyers have backed out because of the 7% interest rates, then you are going to see some new build inventory come on the market. You're going to see some new listings because people just simply have to move, whether they're called back to their homes, whether they can no longer afford that metro, whether they have to sell. And yes, there are people that might even have to sell because they lost their jobs and they bought this year in 2022. They are the only ones really statistically that could be underwater. And even that you're talking about a smallest of fractions, but we'll have some short sales. If you're a real estate agent listening to this, you should bone up on your short sales because we will see some of that. Some people who lose jobs will feel pain and it is hurtful. So there are opportunities for a slight increase in inventory. We are still 25% lower in inventory than we had 
in 2019. And until we can get to the inventory we had in 2019, we can't even assume anywhere near a balanced market. I'm starting to see some folks talking about that because it feels like it might be a buyer's market because buyers can ask for all these inspection items and buyers can take longer to put a house under contract and buyers can offer a, a price below asking. Feels like it might be a buyer's market. It's not even close. It's not even a balance market. We don't even have enough inventory. We're 25% less in 2019 here in the Denver Metro. These are all things that we should be looking at, talking to clients about, yes, I understand that interest rates just went above seven, but what does that really look like? What are opportunities on the other side look like? What would a three, two, one, or a two, one, or a one, zero buy down look like? What would a price reduction or a price, uh, a seller credit towards a permanent price or interest rate reduction? What would all of those strategies look like? I'm getting a lot of calls right now from other real estate agents who have inside lenders, because I know that's a thing right now. And when you have a captive audience, you might or might not be getting the best interest rates. So I have a lot of agents calling me saying, where are your rates today? Because I've got buyers shopping and this is what our inside lenders telling us. I'd like to know what you're seeing. I am always available to support you in that. At least give a second opinion, because the last thing you wanna do is send your buyer on a wild goose chase trying to find a lower interest rate when really the whole market went there and the lender, the first lender that told you what rates were and talked to that buyer gave them the right answer. Don't have them spinning, especially on a day like yesterday where we lost incredible uh, traction, right? Where we lost opportunity yesterday. We just did. So that's the kind of thing that where we want to support together. We want to come together as an educated lender who is seeking the best for the clients, giving the best rates possible that they can, along with the advice that shores them up for success, not just today. Real estate is a long game. If I get stuck planting my anchor right here into what's happening today, I'm not doing anything. I was listening to an investor podcast the other day and they were talking about the fact that cash is the best position to be in. And I'm not going to argue with cash and equal safety, but I am going to argue with the fact that there are still opportunities in the stock market or in the bond market or in the real estate market to take advantage of using knowledge and skill to provide for continued benefit long term. I'm not done investing and I'm not holding it all in cash because I know right now other buyers are running. So I'm jumping in, but I'm jumping in with a lot of knowledge and forethought. So the lender needs to be aware of what's happening in the market to provide the best advice, not just for today, but for many years to come. And the real estate agent needs to be in alignment so that supporting together provides a client, a home buyer's success. Because I rattle off a statistic all the time that 80% of Americans, when you think of wealth tiers, 80%, the bottom 80% of Americans, 64% of their net worth was in their singular home. And that was pre-pandemic. I don't even know what that number is today, but I'm sure it's a lot higher for those who risked the news cycles and the headlines and they bought anyway before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and they saw incredible 
equity growth coming together. Speaking of coming together, not only do we have Thursday's market update, which I want to make sure that you guys are watching for, but Jeremy Kane and I, and I'm doing this with a, a several other real estate agents, so I want you guys, we'll start listing these on our socials, on our Facebook and our website. Jeremy Kane and I are doing a content and cocktails on October 5th at the View House in Littleton from 4.30 to 6.30. If you'd like to sit around, have a drink, and just talk about what we're seeing in the market, come join us. Otherwise, know that I'm here. Know that we're talking about what rates are doing today, why rates are moving, which yesterday was not about the United States at all, where rates are headed, and how we can support our clients through success, not just today, for years to come. Nicole Ruth with The Ruth Team. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day. You've been listening to The Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at thedoublecommaclub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit thedoublecommaclub.com and subscribe.